right, let's jump into James. Um, uh, we're starting again in, in chapter one. This is our verse by verse Bible study. We're breaking down these books and reading them verse by verse. Um, and, and now, and so, so if you didn't hear part one of James, um, you know, uh, whether you're listening to it now on Zoom as we're doing it, or if you are uh, listening to the latest uh, teaching on the podcast or on Spotify, however you get to listen to it. If you didn't hear the first one, literally stop now and go back to the introduction and go back to the first one. Um, because there was so much by way of background, there was so much by way of, 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 um, uh, of James and who he was uh, that we covered uh, and who he's speaking to and things like that, that's really important. Um, as we go verse by verse to kind of keep the, those things in mind. And so you, if, you, if you didn't listen to it, you got to go back and listen to the one in order to get this. Uh, number two, um, James, um, like we talked about the book, uh, having this wisdom, um, you know, and, 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 it's, and it being so practical, reading almost like a New Testament version of the book of Proverbs, you're going to find this is a different study from when we studied Galatians. It's going to be different from when we studied um, uh, Romans, it's going to be, it's different from when we studied Matthew in the fact that it's so practical and so plain. Remember, you, we use that word orthopraxy. It's so plain in its, in its explanation or in his writing that it makes my job easy. Listen, a really good study of the book of James literally would be as easy as just reading the book. All, listen, all the, all the deep study and what's this and who's that and how this, that's a lot in the introduction. James makes it so plain. And, and, and here's what I love about that is that, it, that it, it is also a lesson for us. Remember, our first lesson was the fact that James, the half-brother of Jesus, the one who wrote this book, did not believe in Jesus's ministry first. He didn't, he didn't believe that he was the Messiah at first, right? But then he, he, he becomes a, a, an apostle and he writes this book. And so there's, there's room for all of us to grow. None of us are, are lost beyond repair, are lost beyond a call, right? Um, but the other thing too that we learned from James before we even start breaking down the book is the fact, is, is the fact that the beauty in sharing the gospel or the, and the beauty in teaching people what we're doing and, and, and teaching people the book is the fact that we... Our, our job is to make the complex simple, is to make the complex easy to understand. Listen, if you're, if you're a teacher, you know, you may feel, you know, good about yourself if you can break this down in Hebrew and you can do that and you can do this and you can do this. And yeah, you know, you study long enough, you can do that, of course. But that's not the point. The point is not to make the simple complex or make the complex more complex just so you can show how smart you are. The point is, is to break things down that are complex, to break it down simple. Listen, when folks try to get all deep and they try to get that, 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 that to me is a sign right there that, that, that maybe I shouldn't be listening to this because it's not about how deep you can get in, in breaking down theology and breaking down this and doing that. It's about how practical can I make this to where I can receive it and I can live by it. And that's what James does here. This is, this is going to be the, one of the easiest verse-by-verse -verse Bible studies that we're going to do. Uh, and, and simply because James does a great job of doing this and being an example of how when we preach the gospel and when we study these books and when we teach it to other people, that we are supposed to make the, the, the complex things simple, easy to understand, not trying to impress. Remember, Paul talked about, listen, I can come to you and, and give you all these eloquent words and all that, but it means nothing. And so, and so um, um, it means nothing and no good to anyone if they can't grasp and understand the words. And that's really what uh, Paul does here. I mean, uh, uh, James does here. 
So let's jump in and, and, and we'll start with, um, uh, uh, we already did verse uh, one. So let's jump into to, to verse two. So here we go. James chapter one, verse two. He says, uh, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, okay? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work for uh, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Okay, let's stop there for a second, all right? And so, and so, and so here we go. He says, brothers, uh, my brethren, so he's talking to people who believe. He's talking about people of the faith, right? He says, count it all joy, watch this, when you fall into uh, uh, various trials. Now watch this. He says, count it all joy when you fall. What he is trying to say here is that just because you are in the faith, just because you are a brother, just because you are a sister does not mean that every single day will have sunshine and blue skies. It doesn't mean that every single thing will go your way. It doesn't mean that every single time you put in, you know, a, an application for a promotion in your job that you're going to get that promotion. It does not mean that everything is going to go your way. He says, so, so, so number one, Prepare yourselves, brothers and sisters, to understand that everything will not work out the way you desire it to work out. But he says, understanding, watch this, that when we fall into these trials and we fall into hard times, he said, what you should do is count it all joy. Now watch this. When he's talking about counting it all joy, and in some version it says consider it, right, is, is that that is an intentional mindset, that that is an attitude. That means that whatever I go through, I know what it feels like. I know what it looks like. I know what I'm experiencing. But what I'm going to do is count it as this. This is how I'm going to receive it. And this is going to be my mindset towards this trial that I'm having, right? Now, watch this. This has nothing to do with how you feel about it, okay? It doesn't. It has nothing to do with, oh, well, you know what? Because, listen, we all go through hard times. We've been through hard times. And I, I can't think of any hard times we have, any of us have been through that we actually say, I feel like going through this. You know what I mean? We don't feel like going through it. And so it has nothing to do with our feeling. Counting it joy doesn't have to do with how you feel about the situation. Watch this. Counting it joy doesn't mean that you like what you're going through. It has nothing to do with feeling. It has nothing to do with like. All it talks about is the focus that I'm going to have when I go through what I'm going through. That, that, that no matter what I'm going through, I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. And I wish it was over. However, what I'm going to do, I'm going to look at it and experience it with joy. Not joy just for joy's sake or to try to sound, you know, super spiritual. Watch this. He says, because knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And so it's like, I can consider it joy because I understand that the fact that my faith, come on, is being tested, right? That is going to work out patience, okay? And so now once patience have its perfect work, uh, uh, I may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Okay, so the, the, the thing he's saying here, now again, remember, he's not preaching doctrine or teaching doctrine. He's teaching application, okay? Now watch this. He says, so, when I, so, so for me to consider it joy means what I need to do is be intentional about the fact that when I face diverse trials, that what I'm going to do is intentionally in my mind focus on the fact that I know that this is working out maturity in me, okay? That this is making me mature. Now, the problem is it might be hard to consider it joy simply because it's maturing us if maturing in Christ is not attractive to us, okay? Now, watch this. Listen, listen. If growing in Christ is not my goal, then I won't be able to consider it joy that my faith is being tested because my faith is being tested to work patience. And once patience is complete, now I am maturing, lacking nothing. 
But if maturing in Christ is not my goal, then the trying of my faith is going to be hard for me to consider it joy. Because what I want, listen, if the goal of it all, watch this, is if my faith is being tested, that's fine. Because I know at the other end of this, I'm going to have a brand new car. Like the price is right. Or I know at the end of this faith, I'm going to come out and God's going to give me everything that I want. If that's the end goal, then it's going to be hard for me to consider it joy. Because what happens when you go through those things and that doesn't happen? But what you're saying is, is that when you go through this test of your faith, one thing we know, he said, knowing this, this is what we know about my trial. Some, listen, I see you, Ma. I got you. Listen, listen. Sometimes when we go through things, we need to speak this to yourself. When we had our declarations with our release series, that when we go through these things, we can say to ourselves, this is, I don't, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know what's going to happen after this. I don't know why this is being brought down on me. I don't, I don't I have no clue why. I don't know the why. But the one thing that I do know is that patience is being worked out in me. And when patience has run its course in this situation, I will, be, I will grow and mature further along than I am right now. And when patience have its perfect work, watch what he says. He says, uh, you may be perfect or mature and complete. Now watch the next thing, lacking nothing. This is a chain reaction and like a chain reaction equation for growth. Faith being tested grows your patience. When patience grows, you become more mature into completion. Watch this, and, and lacking nothing. Not that you may not have any kind of like physical need or anything like that, but what he's saying is the more we grow, and the more we mature, the I need list gets a lot smaller. Come on, y'all. And sometimes we know this even in our physical life. Like when we were kids, we want, we want, we want, we want. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. Let me tell you something. Manny wanted a tent for the last month, and he's been begging us. I'm, I, 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 I'm telling you, if we count it, it had to be at least 60 to 70 times a day he would talk about these stupid tents. And, 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 but he's a kid. And that's what kids do. And but now watch this. But as as and, and we can probably remember when we were kids, or, or or in our teens and in our twenties and things like that. Like that that the list of things that we wanted and 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 and, and the extravagantness or or name brand this or that and this. Like it was probably large. But the more we grew and the more we matured, that list got smaller because we understood that stuff didn't mean anything. And so the more we grow and the more patience is worked out in us and the more we mature, he says, uh, you will be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Meaning that in our mindset, that the I need list or I want list gets smaller and smaller. And as we grow and mature in faith, we realize that we have all we need, that we have Jesus, we've got grace, we've got mercy, and we've got God on our side. Remember, the scriptures also say that we God has already given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. That is a mature statement to understand and to receive. But what, Paul, what, what James is saying here is, once patience has its perfect work, uh, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But that doesn't have anything with me acquiring anything. That's more so my mature mindset and me uh, maturing and being complete and lacking nothing, right? Okay, here we go. Then he says, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all, uh, all liberally uh, without reproach and it will be given to him. Now, remember when we talked about it in the introduction that James doesn't have this natural progression. James kind of reads like Proverbs where he drops wisdom uh, nugget after nugget after nugget after nugget. And so he switches here to talking about wisdom. He says, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, it will be given to him. He says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. 
He says, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, uh, and he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Okay, let's stop right here for a second. So he says, he says, but if you ask, ask in faith, right, and do not doubt, all right? Now he says, he says, because those who doubt are like a wave of the sea driven uh, and tossed back and forth like by the wind. What he is saying is look at how doubt causes so much inner turmoil, okay? That, that when there are things that we're believing for, when there's things that we're asking for, when we, when we talked about this, when we talked about um, uh, speech therapy, uh, when we said we only speak from things from our authority, from what we believe in, from what the word says. And when we start speaking these things and we start believing these things and we start asking for these things, doubt comes in and it brings so much turmoil and so much instability. Now watch this. It is possible for us to wrestle with doubt. Because remember the centurion that came and said, you know, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. It is possible, what he is saying, for us to believe, I believe, I believe, but still wrestle in our mind with this doubt, but not even, let, not even letting doubt change what you say and what you ask and what you believe, okay? Now watch this. Let me give you an example. Um, just, okay, so suppose I'm believing for, you know, just, just anything. I'm, I'm, I'm believing for, for healing or, or something like that, right? And, and I believe, and I'm not doubting. I, I believe, I believe, I believe. Uh, but then I see, you know, I, I talk to the doctor or something happens, and then now I'm confronted with doubt, and doubt comes in my mind. Now, I can then let that doubt change what I believe. I can let that doubt change my confession. I can let that doubt change what I ask for from, ask for from God. Or I can handle that doubt and say, this doubt is creeping in my mind. But despite the doubt that I am struggling with right now, I choose to still confess I choose to still believe, and I choose to still ask for. So do we see how we can wrestle with that doubt, but we don't have to accept doubt? We don't have to walk in doubt. We can wrestle with it. The thought can come into our mind, but we, listen, we don't have to take every thought that comes into our mind. Listen, it says in Second in Corinthians, we cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, right, and take into what? Captivity every single thought, and we have to make it obedient to Christ. So when that doubt comes into my mind, it's not saying that, whoa, when I believe, I just believe. And for some of us, yeah, that might be the case. But for some, it's like, yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe. But man, sometimes it's hard. But despite the fact that it's hard to believe this without doubting, I'm not going to let that doubt start to dictate what I say or even what I believe. We got that? Here we go. He says, because he's talking about that inner turmoil. Now watch what he says. He says, he says, for let not that man, this is verse seven, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, right? He says, so when you, when you double-minded like that and you're getting that doubt, don't, don't even think that you're going to receive anything from the Lord. Watch what he says. Now again, listen to, remember we talked about all his credentials and the authority by which he speaks. Listen, to, this is some authority right here. He says, if you, you doubt like that, don't even think you're going to receive anything from the Lord. He says, for he is what? Double, he is a double-minded man. Watch this. Unstable in the things he asked for. No, 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 no. Not just unstable in the thing that he asked for. Not just unstable in the thing that he's believing. But he is unstable in what? All his ways that there is something listen there is something about that that walking in doubt that receiving that doubt and taking that doubt and then now being double-minded that causes that turmoil watch this that 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 person should not think that he's going to receive anything from the lord but also reflects in being unstable not just in one area of life he says that but unstable in all your ways listen 
It doesn't have to be easy to believe. We just have to be, watch this, committed to believing. Listen, at some point, we have to make up in our mind that this is what I believe, and it doesn't matter what doubt says, it doesn't matter what people say, we have to make up in our minds and say, I'm not going to be double-minded about this thing. And my thing is, listen, break it down to as far back as you can go where you feel safe. It's like, I'm not going to be double-minded about the existence of God and God's love towards me. If you can't believe for whatever blessing that, that you're believing for, then, 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 then can you make up in your mind that God loves you and he's going to take care of you? Then can you just stand firm on that? At some point, we have to make up in our mind, and our mind has to be made up. I mean, there's a song way back in the day, I think it was Milton Brunson, who had a song called My Mind is Made Up. No turning back. We have to, um, we, 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 our mind has to be clear and we have to decide that this is what I believe and I'm not turning, watch this, away from it. We have to have that same mind made up that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had up. Remember they were saying that they had, they had to bow down, right, to the king. And he said when the music played, they didn't do it. They bring them in front of the king and he says, listen, guys, you know, you know what's going to happen. So here's what we're going to do. He says, take your time, right? He says, I I I'll give you some time. So the next time that the music plays, you got to bow. They said, we don't need any more time, okay? We don't need to, he said, he said, they said, King, we're not careful to answer you considering this, is what they said. It's like, I don't need more time to think about it. I don't need more time to figure out what I'm going to do. You don't even have to, we don't even have to wait till the next time the music plays. We're not going to do it. That's having a made up mind, no matter what was going to be the outcome, no matter what they were going to try to do to them, their minds were already made up that they weren't going to do it. And like the Bible says, like we need to have the mind of Christ. Just let this mind be in you, the same that was in Christ, right? We'll get to that when we get to Philippians. But we have to have, right, this uh, uh, made up mind that, that, that it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't even matter if the doubts creep into my mind. I know how, and this is when it comes to that maturity. I need to know how to handle doubt when it creeps into my mind, that it doesn't affect what I believe or what I say. Okay, here we go. Guys, right, so we just do, do verse eight. Okay, we'll, uh, okay, we'll do a few more. Um, now we get to the part where, remember, we talked about this, and you're going to see the, the, the jumpy jerkiness uh, the, the same way Proverbs is in his writing. Now he's on to something else. Uh, he says, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flowers fall, and its beauty, uh, beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Now remember, yeah, I see you, Ma. Now, 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 now re remember, again, we talked about the fact that he speaks with this authority. This sounds similar to the teaching that Jesus did when he was talking about the rich young ruler. When he talked about how hard it is for, for those with many possessions or for the rich to enter into the kingdom. And so he's kind of just kind of restating this, that listen, if... if because now, now when he talks about uh, about perishing or fading away in his pursuits, um, uh, you can take that literal, literal, you know, if if you know, with the whole, you know, you can't serve God and 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 Mammon, absolutely. But what he's also talking about regarding the rich and their pursuits, he's talking about the, the the things that you've achieved, the things that you acquired, and your personal stature as well will fade away with time. That none of the stuff. And by the way. Uh, we talked about this in, in, in the introduction. Here's James, again, using another analogy of nature when it comes to our Christian walk. Remember, he talked about you're going to be like a wave uh, of the sea, driven and tossed by what? The wind. You've got the wave, you've got the sea, you've got the wind. Then he says, then he says what? The, uh, because a flower in the field, he will pass away. But no sooner when the sun rises, a burning heat, right? 
that withers in the grass. Its flowers fall and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man will also fade away in his pursuits. And so you see how he uses um, uh, uh, nature in, in his explanation uh, of how, of how uh, practical um, uh, uh, living uh, uh, for us. So, uh, um, uh, so again, but what he's talking about here, when he's talking about the, uh, the ruler, um, he's not necessarily talking about like the salvation. He's just saying that you as with this stature and this wealth and this accomplishments and these achievements, it's going to mean nothing, okay? It says that that's going to fade away the same way the flowers fade. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, verse 12. Uh, maybe I think what we'll go, yeah, we'll read, we'll read 12 through uh, 18. Uh, we won't have time to jump into it. We'll do this uh, next week on Tuesday. He says, blessed is the man who endures temptation, right? For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which, which the Lord has promised to those who what? Who loved him. He loved him. He says this, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. This is so key. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Uh, maybe I should wait. You should wait till next week. Um, a, a little, a little. Listen, when, when, when we are tempted to do something that is against the word, that is not God testing us. Because God himself cannot be tempted with evil. And this is why we know God is so good and he does not play games. God will never tempt you to do anything wrong. Listen, that, listen God, is not te- God will never give us an unfair test. You know, why, would, why would he do that? It, listen, that, that, that should give us a sense of security. That should give us a sense of almost like a burden off our back that God himself will never test us or will never send any sin or temptation our way as a test. He will never test you with evil because he's because he him. Listen, he can't be tempted with evil and he himself will never tempt anyone else with evil because he's too good. That is a blessing for us, his children. Because why would I, why would I try to put Manny in a situation where I think he's going to fail? I would never do that to my son and me being a subpar dad compared to God. Imagine how good I see that. I know that's right, Mom. Yeah, Crystal said she. <laughs> I know I, that's right. Um, uh, I'm with y'all, man. I'm so glad he wasn't either. Here we go. Let's keep. Let's keep reading. We'll read down to 18. So, uh, uh, but each one. Here we go. Here's where it comes from. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Now, watch this. It look. Look. It says we are tempted uh, and drawn away by our own lust, right? And when we're enticed. Um, uh, 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 by the things that are already inside of us. Look at the personal ownership he puts here because he said it's not God. He doesn't even bring up the devil, okay? And watch this. He doesn't bring up other people. You know, oh, well, this person tempted me to sin. Well, this person is the reason why I did. No, 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 no. He said, one way or the other, this temptation came from inside of you, Okay, and it was drawn out from your own lust. It isn't. It wasn't God who tempted you. He didn't blame it on the devil. That's a whole different thing with the attacks that we have from the enemy. And he didn't blame it on anyone else, any other outside influence. That is a whole nother situation. Not that people won't uh, try to influence you the other way. Not that the devil doesn't have work and not that this world is not falling. What he is saying is that when you are tempted, it is something that is already inside of you. Have you ever come across something where somebody may try to get you to do something, but because it just doesn't interest you, you just don't do it, whether it's a sin or not. 
I mean, there are some people that I want to try to get to play golf and they just have no interest in golf. And no matter how much I try to tempt them, no matter how much I try to say you're going to have fun, they just don't do it because to do it is just not in them. And sometimes we're like that where we, someone we may be presented with a situation and we don't fall for it because it just doesn't appeal to us. It's only when it appeals to something inside of us that we then move forward to it and we're tempted by it. Uh, and, 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 and we do that. Uh, here we go. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll wrap up real soon. Uh, I'll take questions real soon. Here we go. He said, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. He's kind of doing the same thing here that he did with, um, with the testing our faith. He says he gives us the chain reaction, gives us the flow. He says, but let, uh, he said, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and mature, complete, lacking nothing. He gives us the same thing. So uh, when the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth what? Death. That we cannot deceive ourselves. That there's, there is no good outcome when it comes to sin. Okay? There's, there, sin only leads to death. Sin doesn't lead to more life. And that's why, again, we have to be so thankful to God for grace and for mercy that not every single, that Jesus took our sins on his back so that every single sin that I do, I don't have to pay for in death or I don't have to follow it unto death, right? I can, I can ask for, I can stop. I can ask for forgiveness. I can repent. I can turn and God sees me as righteous because of the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Here we go. He says, uh, do not be deceived, my brethren, my beloved brethren. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Okay, so we'll, we'll dive into um, 16 through 18 uh, next week. 